Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Whisper words of wisdom. All right, let it be. Some of you um, saw our quiz on Facebook this week, and we are in a new series called Words of Wisdom, and we're going to kick that off today. We've got a guest preacher. Well, she's kind of a guest preacher. She's part of our congregation, um, Liz Emus, and she is seeking ordination as a deacon. We're going to do some deacon uh, education a little bit throughout the day today, but we're so grateful for Liz, who will bring us the wisdom of play today. So wonderful to to, uh, hear about that. My name is Michelle Morris. I am the pastor here, and it is a joy to welcome you in worship today. I remind you that if you're with us, if you'll take one of these pads and fill it out and pass it down, it's funny. um, They passed it down to me and said, you're here today. So I signed in. What's funny about this is it does ask, you know, are you a member of this church or attend here regularly? I had to click attend here regularly because Methodist pastors are not actually members of their local congregation. We are members of the conference. And so if you attend here regularly and are not a member, you are not alone. All right. So many of you know that if I can find the biggest, thickest studiest Bible possible, I will buy it. And this, what I'm going to read for you today, is out of Robert Alter's Hebrew Bible. It is three volumes, just the Hebrew Bible. This is just the writings. So there's two more, and then you get to the New Testament. Bear with me. Listen for wisdom within. Chapter 8, Proverbs. We're going to start with verse 1, go to 12, and then we'll skip to 22. Look, wisdom calls out, and discernment lifts her voice. At the top of the heights, on the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. By the gates, at the city's entrance, at the approach to the portals, she shouts, To you men I call out, and my voice to humankind. Understand shrewdness, you dupes. And fools, make your heart understand. Listen, for I speak noble things. My mouth's utterance, uprightness. For my tongue declares truth, and my lips loathe wickedness. In the right are all my mouth's sayings. Nothing in them is twisted or crooked. They are all plain to the discerning and straightforward for those who find knowledge. Take my reproof rather than silver, and knowledge is choicer than fine gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. All precious things cannot match her worth. The Lord created me at the outset of God's way, the very first of God's works of old. In remote eons, I was shaped at the start of the first things of earth. When there were no deeps, I was spawned. When there were no wellsprings, water sources. Before mountains were anchored, before hills, I was spawned. God had not yet made the earth an open land and the world's first clods of soil. When God found the heavens, I was there. 
when he traced a circle on the face of the deep, when God propped up the skies above, when God powered the springs of the deep, when God set to the sea its limit that the waters not flout God's command, when God strengthened the earth's foundations, and I was by God, an intimate, I was God's delight day after day, playing before God at all times, playing in the world, God's earth, and my delight with humankind. And now, friends, listen to me, happy who keeps my ways. Listen to reproof and get wisdom and do not cast it aside. Happy the one who listens to me to wait at my doors day after day to watch the posts of my portals. For who finds me has found life and will be favored by God. And who offends me lays waste to their life. And who hate me loves death. This is the word of God for the people of God. So what in the world does that have to do with play? Right? Yeah. We'll get there. So thank you to Pastor Michelle. Um, Thank you to all of you. It's been um, an intense and beautiful four years, and I imagine it's going to be an intense and beautiful 40, 60, however more I have left. I'm grateful for the opportunity to connect with you this way, to enter into a deeper relationship with you, and in many ways evolve the beautiful relationships I already have here with so many of you. All of us here are many things. Students, Sherpas, trusted adults, children, professionals, and novices. All of us and all at once. Before I began seminary, I was told by multiple people in multiple circles that one of the hardest experiences for a candidate is being taken seriously in your home church. I think it has something to do with that always be a child thing that can be very difficult to navigate. And any of you who've been parents or felt like parents or felt like trusted adults to a child, it's bittersweet and beautiful and hard to let them grow. So I ask you, let us grow. Let me grow. Allowing people we love the agency to grow, to make their mark is one of the greatest offerings of love greatest offerings of identity and belonging that we have to give. So if you find yourself in the throes of this tuning out, try to suspend that and dial in to consider for a moment, what if? What if there really is something here? What if is a powerful question to ask ourselves. What ifs are hard. What ifs set aside preconceived notions intimacies, truths, and foundations for the possibility of something else that you don't know, something more, something unknown. They invite the uncomfortable as an RSVP for the more divine. What ifs upset the known order of things for disorder? What ifs don't rely on belief? They trust fall into wisdom. They are what being a child of wisdom embodies. Wisdom is that vulnerable learning to dance, 
to relish in the disorder. Hold that what-if mindset now, tenderly, in the cupped hands of your hearts and your minds, as a child would, just as Jackson the other night, oh, here he goes, he's stuck in his head, preciously held the fireflies twinkling like stardust in our backyard. It was beautiful. Consider this what-if. Jackson is my child, 100%. And yet, I am his child. I am a newborn parent for Jackson with absolutely no idea what I'm doing. None. We tell Jack all the time he gets my and John's first attempts at most parenting stuff. He gets novices. He gets children for parents. He gets Peter, Pan, and Wendy raising the lost ones. That's, that's what it is. And every once in a while, we have a really great moment from Hook. If this feels uncomfortable to consider yourself a child, I won't say that it should, but I will say I'm not at all surprised. The word child in Western culture reminds us that for a long time, a period some don't let us come out from under, we were considered impressionable, naive, and in need of guidance. We were born without knowledge, and adults needed to fill us with what we need to be wise. We couldn't learn without being taught, and taught correctly. This naivete also serves to distance us from the world we desperately wanted to know, to be part of that world. And yes, that's a Little Mermaid reference. You should all go see it. I saw it yesterday in Bald. No surprise, that's my favorite Disney film as a child. And then came Moana. Yeah. Adults often try to shield children, to keep them from the world, or to dole the world out to their children in child-sized doses. It's as though we can't admit that not only can we not keep the world from impacting them, but also in reality, we can't keep them from impacting the world. We all live in relationship with the world from birth. We strive for belonging and identity in and with the world. That is our nature. Yet we treat childhood as something temporal, temporary, a phase. Childhood in the West is a state that humans are not designed to remain in. We use words like age, development, growth, and link childhood with something that we're to move beyond, to go from immature and naive to mature and wise. Oddly enough, this understanding of childhood hides truths from children so as to protect innocence. Yet, we consider the truth dangerous in their hands. If they knew the truth, what would they do? If we truly understood children as innocent, then how could allowing them to wonder over these truths be harmful? If children are so clean and pure, why inhibit them? Why can't we fully adopt them as equitably powerful and equally agential forces in our world? Why are we so scared of kids? 
And how is this helping our children flourish as adults? Look around you. Look at the systems and the policies underway and under consideration by our powerful adults. Are they rooted in a passion for thriving, for flourishing, and for that kind of growing, for that kind of maturity? Or are they rooted in fear? How mature have adults like me, like our leaders, like us, like you, been acting? Just ask. Where are we displaying the wisdom of our years? Okay, and this is where we start to get into Proverbs. Don't worry, it'll get there. Is wisdom that beautiful, understanding, savvy, discerning, and often obvious truth? Is that what we're offering one another? What are we offering? She's not elusive like we like to think she is. We know in our gut right here what path to choose, even when it's hard. And usually that's what makes it hard. We feel our way to wisdom. We ponder the what-ifs and the outcomes of our potential choices. We consider, we wrestle, we toy, we play. We play with wisdom, just as wisdom plays with us. It's a divine dance. And just as with any other partnership, no one's really controlling the other. Both are each other's child seeking affirmation, meaning-making, and connection. When Jackson was seven months old, all he wanted to do was walk. He was crawling like a madman. Seven months we thought was kind of early, but the kid was ready. It wasn't a matter of growing up that prevented him, and it wasn't that he didn't know how. It was two things. One was he had a 90th percentile head, so he was a bobblehead. I mean, there was no bones about it. And even with strong legs, that cranium, like there was nothing that could pull that off, that he, he was going to tip over. The other was his own discovery one day at home in his desire to walk. He got frustrated that he couldn't, and he was making all those grunts that only babies make. And he sat there in that like tripod sit, and he rolled to his belly, he crawled to the edge of the couch, he pulled up, and he kind of assisted himself along the perimeter of the couch, and then he fell to the wall and kind of braced himself along the wall, and then he got really mad when the wall ended. <laughs> and he plopped down on his butt, rolled over, and started to cry. In this personal tornado of frustration and drive, he found himself in this uncomfortable space. Childhood studies would call it the ZPD, the Zone of Proximal Development. It's where you're just about ready to do the new thing, but you haven't yet. He'd seen it, but he didn't know how to do it. If he just reached a little further than he was comfortable, if he played, he could get there. So in his wisdom, he plopped on the ground, crawled to an empty Pampers box, pulled up on it, and pushed that thing around the house for the next three months. <laughs> he flew through rooms and pushed doors open with that box. He sailed along the floor wherever that thing wanted to go. And when he left it in another room, he'd crawl to it, pull up on it, and go. Last week, you watched him playing Mario Kart, right? 
that Pampers box was the original Mario Kart. Once he hit 11 months old, John and I threw that Pampers box away, figuring that walking was imminent. And without skipping a beat, he walked his first two steps in the kitchen, peeling his hands off the dishwasher, turned around, and waddled and stomped straight to me. And if we have a video so that we can, you know, embarrass the kid before camp, that would be great. There goes my boy! Yay! Good job! Jackson toyed with the idea of walking. He chewed on it and wrestled with it and felt that uncomfortability and made a choice to play with the diaper box. Instead of choosing to remain comfortable being held and crawling, he actively chose to get uncomfortable and to stay uncomfortable and use that uncomfortability to grow. Childist theologians like me, that is a thing, would say that he not only engaged in play, like playtime and playground stuff, but he also played with the normative understanding of a box. He played with a concept, with a notion, with a truth, and he adapted it. And in doing that, he changed, stranged, and even queered a new, brilliant, non-normative way of engaging with that box to reconcile his spirit to walk with the world. He created, he flourished, and in that, Jackson experienced, as I can promise you, salvation. He was liberated once he was able to do that. And that's what childish theology is. It's finding the wisdom in Scripture's children. And there are so many more than you're aware of, than get advertised, particularly because most women in Scripture are about 13 and 14 years old. And once you find them, you'll discover that they're the liberative ones. Jesus played with convention from birth. Jesus chose the strange, the weird, the crazy, and the playful. Because play does that for us. It opens us to possibility and perspective and new relationships, to learning and thriving, to wisdom. Play helps us make meanings of our worlds to impact our worlds to even fully grasp that we do impact our world and our world impacts us. It widens our lens to embrace the truth that nothing exists independently and it reminds us that children have an equitable voice and equitable power to impact the kingdom. They simply and sadly don't have equitable access to power. And maybe that's what we're so scared of so scared of their power that we make the goal innocence instead of impact and child shielding instead of salvation by children. So scared that the more years we tack on, the less and less we play with new approaches, uncomfortability, and non-normative ways of co-creating with God. Our passage today tells us that in wisdom, knowledge, compassion, and understanding dwell. They await us. It also tells us that wisdom, that beautiful little girl, 
played with God. God birthed her as a child, so God had a playmate. Someone, something, to play and co-create with all the day long. She was born before the waters, before the fields, before ourselves. This little girl wasn't behind God, but constantly at God's side, playing with God in the earth and with humanity. She got dirty. She muddied her cheeks. She splashed in the creeks and she twirled in the wind. And it was her play that delighted God. God wants us to play to toy with convention, and to take risks, to find our pampers box and use it to stretch ourselves beyond comfortable. God isn't so much the creator as the creating. Creating never ends. God never stops creating, never stops playing, and the divine doesn't want us to stop either. You know who else wants to play? The child that you babysit? The one you live in mutuality with at home? Or in your classroom, desperate to see them? The child within you that you've decided only plays at the park with your own kids, but can't play with true uncomfortability? The child who sits with you on that board of directors? The child who contracted with you to sell a new item into that retailer? That child wants to play. Let her. Let him. Let them play. Let yourself play. When you play, you reach beyond. You enter into co-creative mess and salvation awaits. You learn to walk without that pampers box until the day you feel the urge to stretch yourself again and have the wisdom to find the next pampers box. Wisdom never grew up, so why should we? She's playing now in the dirt, asking us to play with her. She's asking us to listen to her, to keep her ways, to find her and find a life of connection and solidarity, of messy co-creation. She's asking you to help God delight in what you can do if you'd only get uncomfortable and play. But you can't do it by staying comfortable. So I'm telling you, I know the doors are always open here, but the way a parent would, I'm locking you out of the house at the end of this, and I expect you to go out and play today. Don't come back until dinner. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. 
please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.